Hi friends! Are you guys planning on going to the G3 conference coming up on September 21st until the 23rd? Well, you guys can get a 30% off when you use our discount code G3OPEL. G3OPEL. You can register now by going on the link here in the description. I can't wait to see you guys there. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bucklew. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for listening and watching to this episode. It's always a joy to have you guys joining us on the podcast. And just some quick reminders. We would love to stay in touch with you guys. And the way that we can do that is for you to follow us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and then the way the easiest way to find us is by going in the link here on the description. And I also have some exciting news. Well, as of uh, this year, you guys can already purchase our gear. You can go uh, to the link here also in the description and you can purchase uh, mugs. There are some different items that you guys can purchase with our logo, uh, some of our favorite uh, Bible verses. Uh, I, have them, I have them both in English and Spanish. Uh, so you can find that uh, also here in the description. So by purchasing those items basically you're supporting also that's a way that you guys are supporting the podcast and yes uh different ways that you guys can be supporting our podcast is one by following us on social media sharing our podcast with your friends and family uh you also can uh, become a patreon and what that means is that you um signed up for a monthly subscription where you do basically monthly donations on Patreon. So the link is also here in the description. And now you can also support this podcast by basically purchasing our gear. And that will be used for anything that, you know, that we need to purchase, as you know, <laughs> making a podcast uh, for us because we do also videos and, and things like that. That means equipments, uh, buying uh, different equipments and just trying to uh, do our podcast with excellence. And so, yeah, so anything that you guys, either donations or purchase, will, will be going to, uh, just honestly making this podcast podcast uh, better. Uh, thank you so much, guys. I am so grateful for your uh, support and just uh, for the blessing that um, this podcast has been to you and even to me as I sit here and just uh, listen to the testimonies of salvation of every believer. Trust me, it is a blessing and it is just so refreshing to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be reminded of what we have been saved from, but also what we have been saved for. So I'm so grateful for that. And as we do on every episode, we do have another guest. Well, actually, today we have two guests, Mark and Andrea. Uh, they're, uh, they're both part of the Bar Network with their podcast, A Guy, A Bride, and a Bible. And I'm so excited for us to get to know them and to hear more about their podcast and just uh, their life and ministry and just uh, how the Lord has been using them in their own life as well. So thank you so much again, again, friends, and I hope and pray that this podcast continue to be uh, a blessing to you all. And here is my conversation with Mark and Andrea. All right, friends. So I am here with Mark and Andrea. Hi, Mark. Hi, Andrea. Hi. How are you guys? Hello. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. As I mentioned uh, in the introduction that I did in the beginning, you guys are part of, are both part of Bar Network. You both have a podcast, a guy, a bride, and a Bible. 
Yes. Yes. And uh, we will talk to a little bit about that and how you guys started the podcast and all that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a joy to have you guys here and to get to know you both. Um, as I like to start with my guest, um, I've, I'm going to start with Andrea and then we're going to pass it on then to Mark. So what we're going to do is... I'll go get a cup of coffee. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if you like well, to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> I, I have mine, but it's almost done. <laughs> Somebody has her water. Yeah, I have water too, so I, I prepare myself, so I know, you know, uh, but yeah, so normally I like to go back all the way to your childhood, to your upbringing, talk about, you know, like your family, where you're raised in a believing home, um, and, you know, feel free to share as much as you like, yeah. Okay, um, I was born in Northern California and lived there until I went to college, and uh, I was, my mom um, was a Christian since she became a Christian when she was pregnant with my brother. And so I was raised in the church and my dad um, struggled with addiction and um, had a conversion experience when he was, when I was about 16, I didn't know about anything. I just saw all of a sudden my dad was different and wanted to hang out with me. So it was a little weird when you're 16, you don't want to hang out with your dad. Um, but looking back now, um, it was, it's a really great example to me of, um, how people really can change. And I went to, um, college in LA and, um, studied abroad and then traveled quite a bit. Um, and I ended up going back to school to become a nurse and I have been a nurse for 15 years and I've been teaching nursing for the last six years and, um, my, um, in college, just like a lot of people, you know, your faith kind of becomes your own. And, um, I went to UCLA, which is a, um, obviously a secular school, um, huge school and, um, kind of went through my, I think a lot of people go through with just kind of not, I wouldn't even really say doubt, but just kind of, um, questioning, um, kind of being exposed to other religions and um, other cultures um, in a way that I never had before. So I, ne I never left my faith, but it definitely was challenging. And then um, in some of the years following that too, um, and I um, really came to the place where I realized that um, you don't have to it's not hateful and it's not, it's, it's not a mean thing to, to say that, um, that Jesus is really the only way. And that's kind of like in the short, <laughs> that's a very short version of it. Um, but really seeing that, um, my faith, um, that how Christianity is truly different from other religions. And, um, I was married before Mark, we were married, we've been married for a little over four years. And, um, my first husband, um, died, um, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but um, as a result of that, I went through a. a um, it was obviously really difficult. I had two small children, and I went through a, a discipleship program after that that really helped me to um, go through a lot of healing, and also um, just helped me to really look at my life and see the way I wanted to, to move forward and raise my daughters, and. After that, uh, Mark and I met and um, we got married, like I said, four years ago and our daughters are, um, we're a blended family. So my, the two youngest are my, my daughters and they are eight and 11. And we've just, I would say, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to blend families. Uh, thought it'd be easier than it is. Yeah. 
he thought it'd be just perfectly easy. And obviously there's more challenges than you expect, but um, I think that we've come a long way. And um, I always tell him, and you always like tear up when I say this, um, but that really the biggest miracle that I've had in my life is just the way that he loves my daughters and how um, we went from being, um, you know, it was really hard to have two little kids and to be a single mom. Um, and I was really afraid to remarry they are doing really well and um, we're able to raise them with um, Jesus and um, the Bible as like the center of our lives. So it's been um, really amazing to me to see how far we've come. Yeah. Isn't she awesome? She's so, she's the best. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. That's all new to me. <laughs> you guys are very cute, especially even on your podcast that people, uh, you know, listen to it, how you guys <laughs> talk to each other. So it's really cute. I actually had that, that, that expression earlier. <laughs> Um, but, um, uh, Andrea, so you said that your mom, uh, was a, you know, she was a believer, uh, but your father, he was not a believer, right? Well, he was raised in the Catholic church and Catholic school. Um, so he had the understanding, mm. um, and I didn't, he died when I was, uh, 29. So it's been, well, I guess I'm going to age myself. Here it goes. I'm, I'm, not <laughs> I'm 44. I just turned 44. So um, 15 years ago, he died and he never really shared with me a lot of things. Like I found out things after because he was uh, very private, but um, he became, he had, like I said, he had this conversion experience and um, really overnight um, changed. So it was pretty amazing. Now looking back, I know more about it. Obviously I knew he was a Christian. I didn't know about the, the, um, the uh, addiction that he was struggling with before. So how do you remember uh, your mom teaching you guys the word of God? I mean, so your father was a Catholic, right? But as a child, how do you remember being taught uh, the word of God, you know, about the sin or anything like that, like about, your, you know, what it means to, to be a Christian, what it means to be a believer? Um, did you go to church with your mom? Like, yeah. were you, you know, so Every Sunday. yeah, when I look back now, um, when I was a single mom, um, and she kind of, you know, she never took a lot of credit for it, but um, she really was a single mom in a lot of ways because going to church, I, I know what it's like now, um, going to church with kids on your own every week and, you know, getting them up and um, it, it's very lonely. Um, and so she was really, really faithful to that. We didn't really read the Bible together at home, um, but we were very involved in church. So that's where I really learned the, the most because I just grew up going to Sunday school my whole life. Yeah. And she um, now she's remarried as well and um, she's married to a pastor and it's really great to have him to um you know he's been really a wonderful um, addition for our daughters too mm -hmm. um but i didn't really one of the things that really the reason we have the podcast and i guess we'll get into this a little later um was um i always knew about the Bible. And obviously I, I, I was sporadic about reading it really faithfully on my own. Um, you know, I would learn about it in church. And I actually was thinking about this the other day, how I started to pray for a desire to read the Bible, because I think there's a, a huge amount of guilt in people in the church yeah. that like, Oh, I want to do it. And I'm not that consistent. And then like shame comes in. And it's like, if you try to like on a much more superficial level, it's like, if you try to start a diet, you know, and you're like, I'm going to eat really healthy. And then like, you know what I mean? I don't mean that that's like on the same level, but we have really good intentions, but like when life really happens, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so I prayed for that and nothing happened for a little while. And, um, it's just grown and grown. And that's really what started us reading the Bible together. 
And I would say, I thought we were already doing pretty well before. It's not like we were on the rocks or anything, you know, but we both feel like um, reading the Bible together has dramatically changed our marriage. And it wasn't even like it was bad, you know, but we've just gotten a lot closer. And I think it's also really helped us to parent together and to be on the same page. That's one thing I'm hoping for our daughters too, is that they um, will have, because I think that would have helped me. And I don't know if my mom's going to watch this or not. I think it would have helped me a lot to have more of that, that personal knowledge and to really study the Bible. Um, It might've helped me to not have the struggles that I had because I knew all the stories and I believed, but there's so much, um, I feel like if it's, it's just like anything, like if you study something and it's on your mind, yeah, it helps you in, you know, in the situation. And I've been reading Proverbs lately and it talks about how like wisdom is something you store up and it's not like you need it in the moment always, but it's something that you have for when things get hard or when you need it. So I think that's really my, my hope for our daughters too, is that they'll have that where when they come to situations because of hopefully growing up with us and and knowing about the Bible, that they'll be able to weather things. Yeah. I think I, I always like to also ask that question of like the involvement at home, as far as like teaching the word of God or, or, or the impact that parents had or didn't have on the children, because I mean, we, we, we read in the Bible, right? Like uh, parents to instruct their kids mm-hmm. in the ways of the Lord, then you, and the way that you do that is by doing Bible reading or mm-hmm. you know, like teaching your kids. Um, also, like your ministry doesn't stop after you get out of church. You you have a ministry at home that you have to continue. And for me, you know, not having my parents doing that. I mean, I was raised Catholic as well. Um, mm-hmm. The only person that I've ever remember like talking to me about God and telling me about God, which I'm very grateful for, was my grandmother. She had mm-hmm. a very uh, <laughs> impact in my life. Maybe she didn't have the right teaching, but I did see faith in her life. And she I, and she did read her Bible. She was the only Catholic that I ever saw reading her Bible and asked me to read it for her. So, you know, it's just like, it's, I hope the parents will be, you know, encouraged by hearing just like whether parents didn't have a, you know, didn't play or did, did play or didn't play a role in their kid's life and the impact that that has in, 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 in our lives, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's like what I hope also to, you know, that it will be an encouragement to those parents who, who, who will listen. But so can you, t- can you describe yourself? How, how was Andrea before Christ and how was Andrea after Christ? So that's kind of a challenging question. Cause I really, I became a Christian when I was really young and I, I do believe that, um, you know, and actually I went to a church that, um, or lots of like youth groups and VBSs and things where they'd have altar calls. And I went down just to make sure I did it right. I did it several times. So I do believe that, um, that I have been a Christian since I was a kid, but I think that what I've really been able to learn, what I've been able to learn, does that make sense? A little bit. What I've learned. There you go. Is, um, that, um, sanctification is a long process. It's not like you just pray a prayer and that's it. Um, The seminary word. Come on now. I know big words. Big words. I always say he's smarter than me. So that's why he's doing this. He's making fun of me. I am not making fun of me. So, um, so before, and I, I think probably the biggest turning point, like I said, was after um, my first husband's death and um, really, really kind of drawing a line in the sand and deciding um, what kind of mother I wanted to be and how I wanted my life to be. Because I think that sometimes we're just like, well, this is just the way I am and I'm trying my best. And I had a pretty dramatic, um, like the discipleship training thing and just, you know, going through 
looking at all the, it's such a hard situation, you know, I was able to, I'm really thankful that I was able to have that. So I would say before and after that, um, I, um, the, the, I don't know if it was the church I went to or just my own personality, but a lot of, um, just, um, feeling like I messed up and kind of, like I said before, like I'm, I messed up and, you know, I'm, uh, there's no point in, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to get it right. And so being kind of um, hard on myself. And so I went through, um, some seasons of, um, I'm just gonna, I guess I'm just gonna be real. Yeah. Um, I struggled with, um, with drinking and I was never an alcoholic. I didn't drink daily or anything, but just, um, and that's part of, I think that's probably part of my DNA, you know, is knowing that I have that, um, there is, there are some genetic predispositions that we can have. And so knowing that, you know, addiction is something that, um, I'm prone to. Um, so I, part of the process after, um, after he died was in that discipleship training program. Um, I just decided this isn't helping me at all. I thought of the verse, um, you know, if your arm causes you to sin then cut it off, I didn't cut off my arm or anything, but I was just like, I'm just not going to drink anymore at all. And to me, it was like, it was something that, um, it was just, it, it was like a light bulb turned on. And I was like, this is not bringing me closer to, to Christ. And this is not making me a better mother. It's not adding anything to my life. I don't think everybody has to make that big of a decision, but that was a, a really um, defining thing for me. And um, and also just really learning more about grace. The church that I went to um, when I was going through that, there were a lot of things that I, I didn't agree with looking back, but I'm very thankful for that, um, for that program and for really learning more about grace and about like, it's not about doing everything right. And the ironic thing is, is when you learn that, because I was, um, the ironic thing is when you learn more about grace is that you actually end up doing better. Cause I was like, I'm not doing things right. And the freedom that it brought to realize that I don't have to be perfect. Um, I'm actually not struggling with the things I used to struggle with. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was very helpful. Cause I think I grew up with a lot of, um, I don't want to say shame, but just feeling like you need to do better. You know, you're not doing it right. And then getting frustrated with myself and then continuing these, these patterns. Yeah. So after that, I would say that was the biggest change and you've said before that like if I hadn't gone through that program then you and I never would have met yeah I believe that wholeheartedly and I wouldn't have um we wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been the right person for him and I wouldn't have wanted to be with somebody like him just because um of of the things like my views yeah um, and my not in my beliefs so much but just I wasn't the kind of person that he would be looking for before and, um, and so after that, um, I've really learned, I love the verse and I'm so bad at remembering like the actual like, like scripture, um, but my, um, my power is, um, is made greater in weakness or my power is made known in weakness. This is terrible. My strength. No, my power. Yeah. Okay. Like, but just about learning that, like, um, God really can use our weaknesses yeah. to, um, to, to use us. It doesn't mean, and one thing I've learned as well, like I said, sanctification is, um, cause I used to think that it was, it was judgmental, you know, to tell people that they needed to change and that people just have their struggles. But if I would have stayed in that, in that place, and if I would have just been like, God loves me just the way I am and I don't need to change, then I wouldn't have the life I have. And I wouldn't have, um, like I wouldn't be the mom that I'm able to be if I was still living like that. Um, and so I've been able to, um, to see God 
change me and to be able to, to use my struggles that I've had before to um, be able to relate to others and minister to others. So that's been um, probably the biggest change. And so I don't feel stuck. I think I felt stuck before. And now I feel like I really know that God can change and that, um, and it sounds so simple, but really knowing that like the Bible was not this, um, this book of rules that didn't make a lot of sense that were just kind of um, mean, um, but that there really is. And that's what it said in the Bible. I think is, that's why it's so important because you actually see why it makes sense and you see that it's not. Um, and I think because there is a lot of Catholicism in my family, I think that um, there is a lot of that. And if you, you, you said you grew up in that too, so you probably hopefully kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, but when you really see the um, the motive behind it and why it makes sense, it makes it makes it so much easier to understand and to follow. And I think like everything that you were mentioning also is just like to show like that's part of our sanctification, right? Uh, and just like to see ourselves finding, being able to see the the struggles that we have, our weaknesses, right? Which mm -hmm. then lead us to depend fully on Christ because that's what we need. We need to depend fully on him because we are weak. We are not strong without Christ. Like it's only because of Christ that we are able to even walk in a way that is worthy of Christ, right? Like that's the calling yeah. that we all have to walk in a manner that is worthy of, of Christ, right? So, and the only way that we're, that we're able to do this because of Christ is not because we are super strong or because yeah. we have some supernatural power or because right. we're super great, right? Like that's what the world tells you. Like, oh, you need to find your strength like within you or whatever, right. love yourself, do this, do that. And that doesn't work. Like right. we will fail and we will continue to fail. And, you know, even though that, yes, we are being sanctified, we still have sin, this sinful flesh that we will struggle with. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a Christian and because I read the Bible, because I go to church doesn't mean that I'm this perfect person. No, right. I'm still sinning. I still sin and I still have to be confessing my sins to the Lord every day. You know, it's mm -hmm. like for our sanctification will be for the rest of our life until we die and we get our new bodies as, uh, without, without without sin that's when we're going to stop sinning you know but until then like we will still be struggling and mm -hmm. it is only by but it's beautiful that we're not stuck in that struggle though exactly. that's where i was like oh i don't you know i don't have to even if he does love me just the way i am i'm not stuck like this because I, I wasn't happy and it wasn't you know it wasn't a fulfilling life now I'm going to transition it to Mark because then I want to connect it to how you guys met, but I won't get there yet until okay. we hear about you and your upbringing, what you're raised in a believing home, just like what she you're did. In the hot seat. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. Second time I have this coffee week. now. Coffee break, except for me, I drank mine already. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, I did not get saved by some sort of supernatural process of like burning down a church and angels showed up. That didn't happen to me. Yeah. Uh, my, my dad, uh, I'm the last of nine children. Wow. So I am the baby as my brothers and sisters always called me. However, uh, I was also the only one of us raised by both parents. My dad was in the military and he was um, in the Navy and pretty much was in Vietnam for 19 years. Mm. It was on a destroyer, so he was always out to sea. And this is before I was born. When I came along, my dad was just retiring. So I had a dad, I had a mom, and my dad wasn't in the Navy, but all my brothers and sisters had a dad who was a sailor who was always gone, and they weren't Christians. 
I did find out on accident a few years back, I was baptized Catholic. Nobody had ever told me my entire life that that happened. I actually found the baptism certificate looking in an old box and I yelled out, I've been converted. I didn't know that my mom went to a Catholic church once. I had no idea. Uh. So when, when that, that was just became a joke. Um, when I was about five, my dad had a very violent conversion um, that a lot of people, when they like to talk about how the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, that he would never be, you know, uh, he would never violate you. He would never do anything to, to harm you or whatever. And I point to Paul all the time. Like, do you not remember the road to Damascus? Do you not remember this story where Jesus knocks him off, blinds him? No, don't remember that. My dad had a similar conversion experience. It involved a little bit of drinking in a bar, a little bit of leaving, a little bit of a California Highway Patrolman and his nightstick. And the the short version is that uh, in the in the cell, my dad surrendered his life to Christ. And he gets um, what I remember actually remember is seeing my dad uh, in bed with taped up ribs from what happened. I mean, it was violent. And then the next thing I can actually remember at this age is we started having daily Bible studies at the house. So I grew up every night, my dad reading scripture uh, to us as a family. And every single day uh, at night, um, we read. And so I grew up from about five years old to when I left home with daily Bible study. And I forget at what point, might have been right there at five, six years old. We actually started having communion every night. So we'd read the Bible, listen to my dad teach, and take communion as a family. It was normative for me. There was nothing unusual about it, even though none of my friends ever did that sort of thing. It didn't matter. We did. And if I had sleepovers as a kid, we still did it. And those, those friends right there with us. My mom and dad had pictures of us as little children standing up on the, the fireplace hearth and we're singing this little light of mine or something like that. And, or we're reading the scriptures and we're like eight, nine, 10 years old. Um, it was a wonderful and um, for a kid, you get bored real quick. It's not that wonderful. Dad, do we have to do this again? And yes, we do. Um, but that was form- formational for me. It did cause me to really have an anchored faith. I remember in the eighth grade, I tried to cuss for the first time. I actually tried to cuss. And I'll never forget this. I was walking down the street, like all my friends are cussing. I'm going to give this a shot. Nobody's around me. And I couldn't do it. It was, it just felt so uncomfortable. I'm glad nobody's with me. So I just started using, I just used to say things like, oh, F word. But I would say F word like that, F hyphen word. And it was just so stupid. And I was like, I'll forget this. And, um, but I was always that kid that I love the Lord more than anything else, no matter what. It just was part of my life. I did. I had those things where, you know, you want to struggle or whatever, but I wasn't the kid who um, I didn't go party with friends or anything like that. As I grew up, it just never once never was appealing to me. Um, I didn't associate with that. And I had plenty of friends that did do that. And then when they found themselves 
convicted and wanted to come to Christ, uh, they would come to me and they would talk to me about it and we'd pray. Uh, so that was my life. I was very much, um, I was, I knew more of the Bible than the pastor's kids I knew and missionary kids. And uh, I don't want to say I was raised in the church. My dad was not a fan of organized church because of the lack of respect for the office of pastor that he saw. A lot of people treating the church more of a social event than anything else, not really teaching the word, but like preaching a, a sermon on how to be a good dad or something like that it wasn't exactly what he, what he felt convicted about. So that's why he taught me uh, all of our family scripture. One by one, my brothers and sisters would come to Christ. Now I was 10 years young, younger than my closest brother. So everybody was like adults by the time I'm in high school and everybody's gone, but everybody had come to Christ by the time um, they were all adults, which is really cool. So that's the, kind of the short version. I would go off to Bible college for a little bit, um, that sort of thing. And uh, like Andrea said, I, I got married really young to my my first wife, and we would be married for uh, uh, 25 years. And that ended, and the Lord took me through a very, very dark place. You know, I was very uh, troubled and hurt and, and just aching uh, for his hand and not knowing what to do. Um, and then uh, I had a very intense night one night where it just, I was desperate for his presence. And I remember reaching out to two friends. I said, I need to get through tonight. It hurts so bad tonight, right now. I'll never forget this. I said, I can't describe it other than I feel like I'm completely abandoned and under attack. Mm -hmm. And I need prayer to get through this night. Mm -hmm. And I fell asleep in my chair. Uh, and when I woke up, it was gone, whatever it was. And there was, there was a lightness and somewhere close within a year of that, that night we met God is good. You know, he takes us through the darkest nights of our soul and he does use our weakness. He does let us get powerless in order to cry out to him, to, to embrace his greater power. And I couldn't do anything on my own. And I'm grateful for that. So. Yeah. Makes me think of like um, that song that says like, um, even though I walk through the valley of uh, of darkness, I will feel no evil. The shadow of death. Yeah. Shadow, the shadow of death. I will feel no evil for your rod is with me. So, you know, it's like, and that's David, right? Praying like it's. Um, yeah. Uh, and and that's like how it is it's like even in the darkest of time of our lives even even like before we are saved we see the grace of God protecting us even before we get to be saved you know we see that common grace that he shows to all of his creature uh, cre you know creature um, and, and it's just so comforting to know that he is there even when we don't know that he's there <laughs> you know like even when we yeah, even think exactly. that God was there he was there um, so yeah, both of your parents then they were not believers for you growing up but then your father comes to know the lord did your mom also uh come oh, to yeah both of them yeah. well you know that part it's kind of as as i recall my mom as my dad is getting done with navy time my mom starts reading the bible i don't think she's going to church clearly i was baptized a catholic so she must have been going to mass every now and again but uh, it was after um, his conversion, it was like 
it was like she was converted at the same time. Mm, okay. Something, okay. So I would probably say that probably within a year of, of her really devoting her heart to Christ and, and starting to do read alone. I don't remember her not her ever reading stories to me or anything like that, but I do remember that she was the one who would take me to church even after, after my dad got saved. She'd be like, okay, let's go to church today. And, you know, my dad also worked on the weekends, but so we'd walk to a church in the neighborhood. And so I got exposed to, you know, Sunday school through that. And that's when we also went to Christian school. Oh, I would eventually want to go into a Christian school. Um, I was about in first grade and my dad said, Hey, do you want to go to a Christian school? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know any different. So yeah. I started going to Christian school and I would stay in Christian education. Okay. Um, even in college. Okay. And that really was also formative. Right. So. so how old are you when both of your parents got saved? Do you remember? Me? Yeah. I was five, six years old. Oh, okay. All right. So you were still, uh, yeah, pretty young when that happened. Yeah. I remember yeah. getting baptized. I was in the fourth grade. Okay. For in, in the Catholic church. That's no, um, that was actually, I don't remember the Catholic thing. I was a baby, but I got baptized on my own accord. I asked my parents if I could do this. And I was in the fourth grade when I got baptized at um, Assembly of God Church down the street. Okay. Pastor Spalding baptized me. I remember that. I think my brother John got baptized with me that day. So how do you, how will you describe your life before and after Christ then? Well, before, just a kid. Um, but I would, I would rather say it's not even an after conversion, but a whole during the whole life with Christ has been adventuresome. Uh, I grew up never doubting that the word of God was true ever. If it was in there, it was true, uh, to, to have, to experience, to believe in, I've never had the word of God fail me. I recognized it by the time I was in high school, just how flawed I was uh, and realized that I remember at 17 years old, I was having this oh, existential crisis. I don't know, but all my friends one day, they're supposed to come over and we're supposed to hang out and they didn't show up. And I just had this overwhelming urge in, in here to leave the house I felt like God was pulling me just to separate myself and get alone. And I looked at my mom and I was choking back tears. I'm like, and I, I have a good life. And I said, mom, I, I gotta go. I gotta go somewhere. And she's like, oh, she just looked right at me. She's okay. I just started driving and I was playing some Christian music and the sun was starting to set. And I just felt this is it. Stop. I pull over. The sun is setting behind me. It's just a total movie moment. And I just felt that the, the presence of the Holy Spirit enveloped me. And I just started weeping. Mm -hmm. And I realized how great God was, how much I didn't need anything but him at that moment. It was, it was just the most amazing experience. And it lasted a good half hour and the tears stopped flowing. And I felt like I could leave. And that was a very awesome, awesome experience because um, within a short amount of time after that, I started having some uh, conflicts at school. So I was at a Christian school, but when I graduated, there was only two of us in our senior class that were Christians. There's a lot of unsaved kids at Christian schools. And a lot of those unsaved kids started kind of coming against me 
Like, why are you believing what you believe? Why are you so such a fanatic about Jesus? And it was, I believe that moment, really, I've always been reading the word just on a regular thing. It's always just been my life. And I was ready to answer that question like that. And, and I did. And I remember I had a couple of friends that I did pray uh, with them. I did help them to come to a place of understanding in Christ and, and, and salvation. And uh, that was something I knew was my, the rest of my life was whether I was in a church as a pastor somewhere, which I thought I was going to be, or if I was going to be a teacher or a bus driver, which I've been those things. Uh, my job was to always share the faith, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you with, with gentleness and respect. So I did. How old are you when uh, that happened? Like you're, when you- Oh, I was 17. 17, wow. Yeah. And how, how do you see your life changing after that? Because clearly, you know, like when, when the Lord finally, one, helps us to open our eyes and we understand the gospel, we understand our sinfulness and we understand that we need Christ, we like the the obvious thing is like people other people see changes we should be seeing changes in our life yeah well for me it was it was just that progression from childhood into and i would i remember um the verse from first corinthians 13 um when i was a child i spoke like a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child but when i became a man i put away childish things and um even at 17 you know i feel i felt like at that moment that was a transitional moment toward manhood and understanding that I can't be the same youth group kid. I've got to be able to defend my faith to those who would attack it and to lead those in gentleness to those who, who are being called by the Lord to salvation. I want to go to Bible college. So my young adult life would be leaving home um, and going off to another state to go to school, trying to find my rhythm as a young adult failing, tripping, failing, all that stuff, getting married really young, uh, just suffering through adulthood, but never let go of my faith, always wanting to know, God, can't I be in the ministry? And, and um, can't I be a pastor like everybody else I know or, or whatever? And, and just struggling, always having to work uh, in the world, you know, work and, and, and carry my faith and share my faith. Always. Uh, so for me, it was always that progression and tension. I, I, I felt as a Christian, the most natural step is to become a pastor. Uh, that I just really believe that. That's what you do. You get saved, become a pastor. And the reality is, no, you, you do the work of an evangelist no matter what you're doing. Whatever it is you do, whether in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. And I had many moments of that with the Lord working in the world where that's where everyone else is. Very few people are in church to get saved they're all outside the church needing salvation so that's why the lord in my opinion never let me get tied up with church life and becoming a a licensed ordained pastor where i'm just locked away for sunday morning so uh and as i grew into adulthood uh, i would have struggles i would have trials i would have failures uh, i would i would be right there with the lord um on my knees at the cross going i failed you again and his, his grace, his mercy would always be extended to me, no matter how dark it got, no matter how much I, I couldn't believe that I failed, he was still there. He always put men in my life, godly men in my life, to extend that hand when I'm on my knees at the cross, just, this is it, I'm dead. I've got nothing left. I've been doing this on my own, my own steam, my own strength. 
and they would be right there. I would just turn and it was as if the Lord had them veiled. And then at that moment, when I was at my end, that all of a sudden a hand would appear and I'd look up and it would be a godly man saying, I'm here. And I would take that hand and seasons would go by with that individual building into my life. And eventually I would become that man for others. Uh, praise God. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that uh, we should be thankful for. It's just like the godly people that the Lord surround us with and people yeah. that keep us accountable, um, that will pray with us when we need to pray with someone, you know, that will call sin for what it is when need to be. Um, so yeah, so definitely, and that's why we need the body of Christ, right? That's why we need one another. Why that's why we need fellowship with uh within the church uh as well. Uh that's how we grow and that's how we keep each other accountable as well in our in our own walk with the Lord and yep. growing in our faith. We're challenged as well <laughs> with one another, so which is a blessing. So now Andrea and uh, Mark, how did you guys meet? And how did we meet? This yeah. is the point where I always like to let her go first mutual friends that's always her answer and it's yeah. always wrong we so would eventually the right answer then we would eventually come to understand really quickly that we had mutual friends or it's not how we met they would vet me for her i told her um after our initial meeting um and i'll get that in just a second i said why don't you have why don't you go see so and so because i know so and so we were both in a place in our lives where um we didn't want to be alone anymore. I was living in Colorado. I'd lived in Colorado for almost 20 years off and on. Um, she was living in extreme Northern California and I had actually lived there that same town for about six years, but we didn't know each other at the time. We have a 10 year age gap. I was in college. She was in college when I lived there. I was also in my previous life, but I had friends that were there and started a church there. And so I, I was very active in that community. And, um, I was online on eHarmony. So was she. And it was terrible, to be honest. Online was just, I really, really understood quickly what a wasteland it was. Uh, I tried a couple, I tried the Christian Mingle, um, a couple of the random ones and, and eHarmony. And finally, I was like, Lord, I'm done. I'm not even doing this anymore. I just ended it. And um, a few days later, I get an, one of those emails from eHarmony like, hey, we're going to give you a discount. You should come back. And I'm looking at it I'm like, all right, I'll save some money because I'm cheap. I'll save some money. I'll do this one last thing. And that's that. And uh, so I did that and they activated all my account and stuff. And a weekend happened and eHarmony sent me her profile with a bunch of other profiles. But sent me her profile and I froze. No, when it I got said to like, what if? What yeah, if? it was the what if category. So I had a, uh, an actual physical um, map of where I wanted to meet somebody. And I think it was 100 miles from my house. I would go 100 miles. And then eHarmony started this new thing called What If. And I was, what if the person you want is farther? Can we look for you there? And so I'm like, sure, whatever. And I think I put down like uh, 1,500 miles or something. And it was just lame. I was in Colorado, so it covered a lot of the country. And so it started targeting um gosh like texas southern california and it was like moving up california and and I'm like this is weird it's like everybody was a teacher or a nurse it was just the weirdest thing and all of a sudden i come across and it says um it says the town that i moved from 
and her beautiful face and blonde hair and blue eyes. And I'm like, no, no, this isn't, this is not fair. Two reasons, God, you know, why this isn't fair. Number one, she's younger. Number two, she's from, she's from that town. And I don't want anything to do with that town too far away. And she's way too beautiful to want to talk to me. Not going to happen out of my league. I did. A, I, I, she was on a free weekend. Yeah. I was, I, I <laughs> she had like didn't a free, have to pay for anything. Yeah, I had a free account and they said free communication weekend. Yeah. And so, um, she's not dropping a dime. When I did it before, I had like, cause I didn't have a lot of pictures of myself, like without my kids. And I didn't want to have pictures of my children online because there's creeps out there. And so, um, I had these like horrible pictures. Like, I had one where I was wearing like academic regalia, which, if you've ever seen it, it's like a robe. It's basically like a garbage bag. So I had that before and like another one that they were just yeah. like normal pictures, but like not, you know, not anything special. And I did these pictures with somebody from my church because she was trying to start like a photography business. And so it was like with my daughters and it was this beautiful setting. And like, I actually had like hair and makeup done. And she was like, let me take some just with you. And I was like, what? She goes, come on. And I didn't, it probably looked like I had her pictures done for my dating profile. I didn't think that. Funny. Like they, it was like an actual like professional picture. And so for, I put those on and I'm going to sound like I'm bragging, but I just got a lot, I got a lot of responses that on that free communication again. Yeah. And so I was just like, well, I'll say hi to anybody that isn't like a total creep. Just, it was like, a, like an experiment almost because before that it was like some serious creeps, you know, I had like certain people. Yeah. And so, um, I got, it just, cause I really think it's just cause it was like professional pictures instead of just, but he didn't know this. I couldn't see anybody's pictures. Yeah, I had no idea. So I had free communication because I didn't have a, I wasn't paying anymore. I only paid for like two months or whatever. And um, and then- um, All I could do was send her a hello. No, you could write to me. No, not until you responded. Okay. I could only anyway, send a hello. He didn't know that I actually couldn't. So that's why it was kind of like my social experiment. Cause I was like, well, maybe I'm being superficial. Maybe I need to just like get to know somebody just for who they are, you know, instead of what they look like. Anyway, so then I say hello. Um, and I just kept going, right? Because said hi, I'm Mark. Oh, I said hi, I'm Mark. That was it. That's all I was allowed to say unless she responded back. And then it opened up the channel. So she, uh, I don't know, half the day goes by or something. Like, anyway, she responds. I'm like, whoa, she actually said hello back. I guess it means I better start a conversation. I said, hi, I used to live there. You said, oh, that's nice, or something like that. Oh, I said, oh, that's funny. And then I, I asked her, we went to church, oh. right? No, I think you said, that you went to the planting church for the church that I went to. Yeah. And I said, um, oh, that's funny. My church was a plant of that, which was after you had left. Yeah, after I left. And so, because anybody can say they went somewhere, you know, and um, and you actually knew the pastor. Yeah, I said, oh, tell tell the pastor. I said, hey. Because he knew what? him yeah. before he was the pastor of the church I was at. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because it was just like, he actually, and it wasn't like he looked it up, you know, he, cause it's not like something that would be like really easy to find like yeah. the planting church for this other church. And I was like, what? And then you, you said that he had been like instrumental in your life. Yeah. We, he was, he was the, one of those men that was there when everything was horrible, and, absolutely horrible. And, and that hand in the darkness, that was his hand. And he's a lot younger. So yeah, he's so younger than like, I had to, like I had to humble thing. myself yeah. to take uh -huh. that hand. Yeah. And that was part of the Lord. Yeah. That was amazing. It's amazing when the Lord will actually use a younger person to reach you. Yeah. So anyway, I thought he was just being friendly because like 
for me, like if I met somebody, cause it's not that big of a town, you know, I would probably be like, Oh, I, or like just maybe somewhere that I like studied abroad or like somewhere I lived like, Oh, that's funny. I used to live there, you know? So I didn't think he was flirting. I know it's a dating website. It's not rocket science, but I was like, I thought he was just being friendly. So we kind of, he was so not like that, that I was like, Oh, he's just being friendly. And he's, and you were so far away that I was yeah. like, you know, I was safe. So then it took like, it was like a while before you said something that was like mildly flirtatious. And I was like, oh, is he interested? Like, I was like, pretty naive, you know? And um, so I think it was like a day and a half or whatever yeah. um, before I, I was like, do you mind? Like, I'd love to put a face with a name. Do you mind like sending me a picture? And he was like, what? And he didn't know that. I like, had like I 10 see. pictures on Yeah, there. but he didn't know that like, I didn't know what he looked like. And then you said that you were worried. So then I sent her my Instagram. But you said you were like worried. Yeah, I was worried because I'm like, I know what I look like and I know what you look like. <laughs> Here's my Instagram. I was a uh, I was a, a chef at the time. So it had either food, it had Colorado, it had my girls, my it family. Was, it was like I four. have I have four daughters, by the way. So together we have six. Mm. And it had some pictures of me on it. So I gave her that. So she went to go look at my life. And so there's kind of like a like a you know resume, if you will, a visual resume. And I like food. And yeah, so she really liked that. All of a sudden, she looked. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then we started talking on the phone. Yeah. Her biggest problem to overcome wasn't distance. Uh, it was the fact that on my profile, it said, What three things can you not live without? And I wrote down faith, family, and Christmas. She's not into Christmas. It's not that I'm not into Christmas. It's just that I'm not obsessed with Christmas. And I just was like, Christmas. I was like, you can't live without that. I just thought like out of all the things in the world, I don't remember what I put. It's probably similar stuff. I don't remember. Maybe I said coffee. Maybe coffee. Anyway. Yeah. And I just thought, I just thought maybe, and I had, that's, that's why when we said like, we wouldn't have dated unless we both, I just, I had a view that like, cause my first husband, it's a very complicated story. I don't want to get into on here, but, um, um, wasn't a Christian, I, I'm hoping, and I'm, I, I think that he did um, come to faith before he died, but there was, uh, he was very much opposed to like us raising our daughters in the church. And um, so that's why it's such a, it's such a big deal that, um, that we have the relationship we do. Yeah. I had a view that like a Christian guy would be really boring. And yeah, so she thought, um, um, and I thought kind of cheesy, kind of boring. And the idea of somebody that loves Christmas, Christian guy just sounded like a boring not engaging kind of person um so I had to let that go because you did you also had like you were very smart that came across very very much that's true and so um I I I really liked talking to you but um so that was just a bias that I had and obviously it's not true because she has outperformed me at Christmas every year I meant it's not true that you're the Christian guys were born. That's true too. But um, she still has outperformed me at Christmas. Well, we're very competitive. This is true. So, yeah. We won't go into the but anyway, then we started then fast forward, we started FaceTiming. Yeah, we started FaceTiming. We talked on the phone and I was like, oh, he has a nice voice. And we um and I didn't he, it was a really serious talk our first talk. We talked for like two hours or something. Yeah, it was like till time. one or two in the morning. It was a long time. And, um, but he, we, it was a pretty serious talk and he didn't make any jokes. Um, of aunt and uncle that I love very much, um, just, they crack up, like they're, they laugh a lot. I think that's such an important thing. Like for me, I just, humor is important and we had this serious talk and he didn't make any jokes. And I was like, I'm not sure if he's funny. Like he's really smart. We had a really good talk. 
And then, because I think you were kind of nervous too, maybe. Probably, yeah. And then like our second or third conversation, we were like cracking up. So I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And now our daughters say, mom, you're not funny, but dad's really funny. And maybe you can learn from him. She got mad at me when we finally met each other. And she's, she actually was mad. I said, what is wrong? And she said, I'm used to being the funny one in the room. She was so mad. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so then we started doing FaceTime and like pretty much every day. Yeah. Yeah. It was every day. And then we met like a month later in person. Mm-hmm. I flew out to California to meet her. And Oh, and I was like, what if we don't really like each other? Cause he booked a, he was going to stay, he got like an Airbnb and he was going to stay for like five days. And I was like, that's a long time. Like, what if I don't, what if I don't like you? Or what if you don't like me when we actually meet? Like I was very open about my, yeah. My anxiety. And I had friends in, in, in yeah. town and so he's like, if it really goes horribly, I'll go back down and see my family. I won't, he goes, but you know that once you meet me, you're going to fall in love with me. And I was like, shut up. And <laughs> a year later we got married. That's yes. a really fast version. Really fast version. Every month uh, we would meet um, for a weekend and, and, um, after a year of doing that, uh, met each other's families. Met each other's families. Blah, I proposed blah, blah. to her, and we were married five weeks after our first date. No, no. after we got engaged. After the anniversary of our first date, yeah. we got engaged for five weeks and got married. And you guys have been married for four years now. Yep, four years in October. Yeah, and now we live. Um, we moved to Oregon. Yes, um, I moved to Oregon. He proposed really soon living. after that, and then we got. Um, we lived in Oregon for almost four years and we moved to, we moved to Texas this summer, yep. this past summer. So and, now we're Texas. Like, and you're both believers, right? And just oh, the yeah. importance of having a marriage with people who love the Lord. Right. And yeah. all that you oh, raise the girls and, you know, in the faith and teaching them about Christ and now mm-hmm. with no opposition to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge blessing. So tell me then how you guys started your podcast. Uh, when did you guys start it and why did you start this podcast? Well, I, I had all, almost 10 years of radio experience. Well, we should rewind before that. Okay. Why, Cause we started reading the Bible before we did the podcast. Oh yeah, we did. So that's I mean, important. That is. Go ahead. So, um, well, actually, I guess rewind a lot. Like when we got, we got married, we had like a, a short and quick honeymoon in Washington. And we, we were like, oh, we should like, we want to start a marriage, right? We should listen to some podcasts and read some books. And they, <laughs> it's true. So I'm not going to name any no, names. We would like to say that none of the marriage podcasts that we listen to are on the bar podcast network. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> we listened to some and they were horrible. They were horrible. <laughs> we couldn't we even finish an episode. And we're like driving, we're on like this road trip. And oh, I was God. like, and basically, and I'm that's part of the reason I cut you off is to show like how we're different. Yep. Um, it was like the the man would talk and talk and talk, and then the woman would be like, <laughs> she would be like the laugh track to like support. It's like obviously <laughs> the guy wanted to like be like the podcaster and like he would bring her on to look like. You know, and let me explain what that really means, because I'll I'll let you know right now what she's trying to say to you in a way that we all would understand better because I'm the man. So mansplain is what he's you actually and I do call you on that if you ever do it. Uh, well, I'm good at yeah. it. Yeah. So but it was a lot of that. We're like and like the, there's like I studied communications with my first degree and there's like studies where like women and men in conversation, women will bring up more topics of conversation and the man will not continue it. Like that happens in relationships. 
So it's not like we don't have ideas and things to talk about. And so I just saw that. And like, they weren't, the content wasn't bad. It wasn't like they were, you know, terrible or anything. Some of them were Christian, some weren't. Some was bad. Well, it was just lame. And it, they, and it wasn't funny. Like they would say it was funny and we'd be like, that's not even funny, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was like way back. That was when we first got married. And so exactly. we didn't we didn't continue to listen to any of them. I don't think. We read some books and stuff. But then I um um I had listened to a podcast kind of I was in my office and I was it was a, in a peer like a few years ago, two years ago. At least, yeah. Um I was in a period where I was like really um, cause I, 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 um, work in mental health and I have like a background in psychology kind of stuff. And so I would do like, I would read about like personality tests and like, um, not even like self-help books, but like personality things. Sure. Um, and like about how our different, you know, how we're built and how we work together. And, um, and that was at the same time when I was praying to want to read the Bible and, um, more consistently. It's like, I never did. And um, I watched this podcast and it was with, what did I say it was? Oh, Marsha Montenegro. Yes. Um, and it was this podcast about the Enneagram. And I um, I had studied it and um, and I had like my personality type and I was like, oh, this is why I'm this way. And it turns out that like, there's not any, like, it's not scientifically backed. It's not like it's proven that it's actually like relevant or accurate. I listened to it. I remember that I, I was just, it stopped me in my tracks because it was like basically what it comes down to is um even if it's something where it seems like it's benign you're still worshiping yourself if you're spending all this time studying yourself and how you're built and how you relate to others um it's you you, you're taking it's time that you could be spending studying the bible and studying god but instead you're looking you're spending more time looking at yourself and i was just like oh and i don't know it's something i'm sure i've heard a million times but it really affected me. And, um, and so I shared that with, with him. It really helped me. And I haven't, I won't say I've been like perfect since then, but it really helped me to, to stop reading, spending all that time reading all those kind of books and podcasts and websites and all that stuff. And I started to read the Bible. Um, we were going to a church, um, that had a Bible reading plan that we kind of picked up kind of just nonchalantly on the way out of church. And we started to read it separately. Like I would text him, Hey, these are the, I had, I don't know why we didn't just pick up two, but I had the, I had the plan and I would text him and say, Hey, these are the chapters for today. We would read it separately. And then I might, I, I, he used to teach um, old Testament and he just has a lot of Bible knowledge. And so, um, I would text, I said, I would text you the pages, the no. chapters. And so, um, so I would text questions or I would say like, we got to talk about this one later. Like, especially like, what was it? Deuteronomy or whatever. We started reading this plan in Deuteronomy of very marriage building, loving chapters. Yeah. The, it's killing, kind of, the it's, killing of the Canaanites was my favorite. Yeah. Then we would read it separately. And then I think we would text about it some, but we would talk about it at night. Yeah. And then I don't even know the exact way that it happened, but we started somehow. Was it driving? Is that what it was? We were driving um, from Salem. We down, do a lot of road trips. Down to Eugene, I think. Or... Yeah, so we were driving somewhere. Was it just two of us? No, the girls in the back. Okay, I don't remember. And I was like, hey, we should do our reading together. And we'll like read books together. And he'll, I hate to drive. So he'll drive and I'll read. And um, so I read. And then we realized like we had a lot. It, it, First off, hearing somebody else read or reading it out loud just affects you differently 
than reading it on your own. Like you can skip, I read really fast and I think I skim over things. Oh, she reads so fast. Oh my gosh. So we ended up just doing our reading. Like we didn't have like Bible study questions or anything with it. I had a study Bible and I had that and I was like, oh, here's a little, st-. I had like the Ryrie study Bible and I had like a commentary. And so I was like, oh, this is, this, this says this. And he would be like, oh, that's really cool. And then he would say like, I also remember hearing about this. And we were just like, we got way more out of this reading by talking about it together. It doesn't sound like, it's, it sounds so simple. Because it is. Um, but so we did that. And um, like I said, it just really brought us closer. And the biggest thing that we saw, because the plan had Old Testament and New Testament yeah. together. And so there were several days, not every single day, but several days where like, oh my gosh, we just read about this in this Old Testament chapter. And now in the New Testament, this ties it together. And it helped us to see um, the relevance for me, you already yeah. love the Old Testament, but for me, it helped me to see the relevance. Because I think a lot of times the church is like, let's just focus on Jesus. You know, let's just focus on that. And we miss out on so much. There's so much more to the Bible. I mean, the New Testament references the Old, the Old Testament a lot. It's not like they said, this is not, Jesus didn't say, forget about all that. He talked about it con- um, constantly. And so we got to see all these really cool parallels. And yeah. then, oh, we're reading a, a we're marriage book together. By Paul. Trip. Trip, Paul trip. Um, what were you expecting? And so we're reading this, and I'm reading it again. We're on this road trip. It's beautiful. There's all this yeah. beautiful scenery. She's my favorite uh, voice for for audiobooks. So I was like, hey, get a book so you can read it. So I'm reading it, and you know, he's very complimentary. So he's always like, you're my bride. You know, you're so wonderful. That's why I call her. Call right? her my bride all the but, time. We're reading this and it has like these questions at the end. And one of the, it was something about like supporting each other's dreams. So I'm reading this chapter and it said like, ask your spouse what a dream is that they have that you could support. And so I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be like, oh, I have everything I want. You're my dream. We're living the dream. <laughs> There's nothing. That's what, cause that's nothing the way, more that I want that's than the you. Way that you talk. That's the way that you talk. Cause we have, I think we have a really great life. Great you life. Know? Great. So I'm thinking he's going to be like, I can't think of anything. And he immediately is like, actually, I don't think you're going to do it. And then that's our, that's my competitive side. That's right. And then go ahead. And so she goes, what, what is it that I can't do? And I'm like, I would like it if you would do a podcast with me. Wow. Oh man. And she just went, what? I said, I want you to do a podcast with me. She said, well, what would it be about? I said, I'm not sure yet. But I would love it if it was you and me, because we have a great relationship. And I said, okay. And I think he was really, you were surprised. That I, said, I was okay. totally surprised. She didn't say like, I was expecting her to say something like, well, let me think about it. I've got a busy schedule. I'll let you know. But no, she actually accepted the challenge. Wow. Because I was, wasn't I in grad school at the time too? I don't I think you're, it. yeah, you were just no, busy. No, I was. Were you in grad school yet? Yeah. Okay. So I was really, really busy, um, but we try to support each other and he does so much that like, I, I'm, I'm, it bums me out that you were surprised, but maybe because of your previous life too. Well, just say that. Um, and so I was like, okay. And he was like, what? And I said, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm not nervous about it. It's nothing that I've ever like, my friend and I said we would do one because we crack each other up and we recorded something. We never posted it, but we just recorded like banter and we just cracked up. We're like, nobody else would enjoy this, but we, we think this she and her best friend are still 17 years old in the bedroom on a Friday night, cracking up eating ice cream. That's who they still are. 
Yeah. So we were like, nobody else would think this was funny, but we just, we just loved it. We just, and so I, that was like the only background I had in it. Uh, how long ago did you guys start your podcast? Just like last year? No, no, it's longer than that. Yeah. It was over a year ago. It's almost two years. Okay. I have to go back and actually look at it, but I'm not sure when our anniversary is, but the short version is after that, she said, well, what do you want to do it on? And it was because of this conversation we having with reading the Bible. I said, why don't we, it was, we were actually reading the Bible and I said, Hey, this, let's do the podcast with us reading the Bible because we have this great, like this, this banter back and forth. I'll be reading a scripture, go, wait, 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 wait a minute. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Are you telling me? And so she would go on with that. And that's why one of the episodes I titled, um, uh, what this episode needs is a good rant because she actually has this amazing rant in that episode. And it's so that became the whole basis of the podcast of we're, we're going to read this reading plan. We're not going to go into deep dives. We're not going to be scholarly and give you all this studied uh, depth. We're going to go plain read, plain text reading as the way it's intended. We're going to have questions. We're going to ask them of each other. We're going to look at some commentary. commentary. Yeah. And um, that's it. And we're going to invite you to come along. And what's important about it is the, the, the simplicity of a husband and a wife reading their Bible together out loud. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, what we started at the beginning of this, and, and Arlie, I don't know if it's the same for you and your husband, but oftentimes, most Christian couples have devotional time or quiet time apart. And they rarely have a joined time of reading the word together out loud. We've actually asked any number of Christians. I've had some people say yes. I've had I've had less than 10 people say we do that in our marriage, in the church. Most of them do not. And I so I, that's one of our challenges is that's one of the purposes of the podcast. It's not just reading the word of God. It's promoting Christian married couples to read the word of God together out loud. And so, and you guys joined the, we were just talking about it before we started recording that you guys joined the bar network, um, in 2022. So people can find you guys there and where else can they find your podcast? And I'll be, I'll be- all the, all the podcast outlets. Um, we, ours is on anchor. That's what we record on, but you can find us on Spotify and Apple, Google, Amazon, run all the, all the players. And we have, he does all the, like, I just talk and then he does all the work. <laughs> But we have an Instagram page too, and you post. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have stuff. an Instagram page. A guy bride Bible pod is our Instagram. Okay. So you can find us there on Instagram. We kind of keep that going regularly. That's always fun. And I'll have the links here on. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll include it, the links on the description as well, so it's easier to to find it. So I'll link it to you guys' social media and the podcast as well. So awesome. let's move on to my signature question for the podcast. <laughs> Favorite books that you guys have? You can give me your top two books, uh, each one, uh, that other than the Bible that have been either helpful or that it's your favorite, I don't know, Christian book, I guess. She likes to point out that I don't like to read, which I love to read, but she reads far more than I he, do. He doesn't read. I love to read. What are you reading right now? Uh, <laughs> American History... 15th edition I'm, I'm teaching so i'm reading a lot of my textbooks actually he doesn't read he starts books and i read the bible all right, all right so you say that. Say that. Vody, i'm sorry i'm not done with Vody's book fault, uh, fault line i'm not done with it um i'm also using more of a reference and a read through 
Um, Dr. Uh, Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm. That's a huge tome. I'm not done reading that. Um, we're reading a book together right now. We are. We're about halfway through it. Um, Mama Bear Apologetics. And um, it's about, so it started out just kind of explaining like why we need to teach our kids the Bible. Um, and then the, the second part of it that we're in the process of reading is um, it talks about different lies in our culture. And a lot of it is like what um, some, some of the current lies or other religions or other, because our world right now, obviously, um, it talks about like postmodernism yep. and um, it talks about what, what these lies are and how to address, um, address these lies with your children, like specific questions to ask your kids and how to kind of, um, and really it's, it's just says like, we should be the people that are um, teaching our kids. Um, we shouldn't let culture teach our kids. Um, and that's part of the reason I never went to Christian school. The ironic thing is I've only taught at Christian universities, which is, I never felt like at my interview for the first one, like I was saying earlier, I like, I just felt like I didn't measure up. Um, I was very honest. I was like, I never went to Christian school and I was, I was a single mom at the time. Um, and they really showed me grace and they were like, okay, you, you still are qualified. And so, um, you only went to Christian school. Well, I tried to go to a Christian high school once and it was horrible. Anyway. I mean, a, a, private, a public high school, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so our kids, um, my, I never wanted them to go to Christian school because I thought that I didn't want them to just be totally sheltered. And I didn't, I was like, we already pay money, pay taxes. Why should we pay for our kids to go to school? Such a good citizen. Very, <laughs> for various reasons, we um, ended up putting, um, putting our, my older daughter into school before the other kid was in school. And so um, they've been in Christian school since then. And it's really been amazing. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. so really like seeing our responsibility to speak into our kids' lives. So that was cool. And then an old favorite of mine that I guess two that I already finished and I tried. Um, Philip Yancey is one of my favorite authors. And um, the book that really helped me um, in that process of healing and took me a long time to actually finish it because it made me very angry several times um, is um, Where Is God When It Hurts? And it uses um, the story of Job to talk about why we go through suffering and how God can use it. And um, the reason I like that is I'd also read what's, what's so amazing about grace, but I think I would say, where's Governor Hurts? And I've been able to, to offer that um, to students and friends mm -hmm. um, when they're like, what do, you know, I went through this horrible thing, yeah. you know, and it's, um, it's so easy to offer platitudes. Um, but when you really are in the middle of something horrible and um, it's very painful and people say like well it must have happened for a reason like that doesn't help anything you know and so that book has um, really been a great resource yep all right and now three things three that brings you bring you joy three things that bring you joy ladies first <laughs> um my basset hounds <sighs> I was never a dog person. It's true. I made her a dog person. Yeah. And she's like a cartoon. Yep. And um, being outside in nature. And is it cheesy? I got to say our family. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mark. Our girls are rather performance driven in some aspects. So they always do something that make her almost cry her head off out of joy. So mm -hmm. it's pretty good. So family aside, um, brings me joy is 
uh, I would say the reaction that she has when I delight in her and I will, for instance, I'll make her her favorite meal or do something along those lines where it really blesses her and that she'll just, she'll radiate. And that brings me the greatest joy. That's for sure. How about that? How about that? that? Okay. Uh, The other thing that brings me joy is um, teaching in that moment where a student, it's that precipice where their life changes, Uh, whether it's an academic thing or a spiritual thing, that moment of, oh, that brings me great joy. I love that part. I would say those beautiful moments with the Lord that are only yours to share with him. Mm-hmm. There's no words. I don't know Man, the Hebrew. Or, be more spiritual. I don't know the Hebrew or the Greek for it, but something happens where it's it's just you and the Lord mm-hmm. and the word of God and joy just erupts. Mm-hmm. So those are my three favorite. Fourth is, is Christmas. <laughs> oh, Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Christmas. I love Christmas too. So my last question will be for you, Mark. You know, the reason why we do this podcast is because obviously one, we want to be able to encourage believers, but our hope and goal is that if anyone who is not a believer listens to this, they will come to know Christ and that they will see uh, their sinfulness, their, that they're separated from uh, from the Lord. And we were, we were once his enemies, but now, uh, you know, we have been saved um, uh, by his grace. My question to you is, why do we need Jesus Christ? We need Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, his, his atonement and sacrifice. But the, the, the deeper part of that goes all the way back to Genesis, but we have to go to the, the front, the end of scripture where it says that before the foundations of the world, the, the, the Lamb of God was sacrificed on our behalf. So even before we're, we're, we're spoken, the world is even spoken to existence, God has already put in motion that there will be redemption. And it will be eternal redemption. We think this is the best life we can possibly have until you encounter Christ. And at that moment, when you encounter Christ and salvation has been offered to you, you realize that this is the closest the lost, the sinner will come to heaven. This is the closest that the saint will come to hell in this plane that we call earth. We need Christ to form us into his image that makes us acceptable to God and to be adopted as co-heirs with Christ into the family of God. Because without that, we have nothing uh, that offers us life. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so, so much, Mark and Andrea. It's been a joy to get to know you guys. And um, I can't wait for everyone to uh, listen <laughs> to to uh, to your testimony. And, and to you guys, thank you so much for listening. If you guys want to find Andrea and Mark, uh, just make sure that you uh, go on the link here on the description. But before we go, Mark, will you close us in prayer, please? I will. Thank you. Father God, we are grateful that you have been with us this time. We, we, we pray a blessing on ordinary people uh, and uh, extraordinary lives. We just pray an outpouring of your favor and your Holy Spirit on this ministry through this podcast and channel and for Arlene and her husband. 
we are grateful to have them as our brother and sister in Christ. We ask that you would uh, put your hand upon the Bar Podcast Network, all those who uh, preach your gospel and, and promote your word uh, through this platform would, would find audiences that are hungry for you. Uh, we pray that the, um, the, the fame that would come would not be ours, but yours, and that many would come to know Christ as a result of the efforts we have in anonymity and humility. Lord, we offer this up to you as a living sacrifice of praise. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.